0: Well, we begin our Lenten journey with an appropriate Lenten scripture of Jesus going off into the wilderness for 40 days and fasting the entire time. Don't worry, we're not calling each of us to do the exact same in our devotional life, but we're meant to follow after this time for a minute. But just for a minute, one of the things that I get as a pastor, so if you read the Scripture and you say to yourself, like, I don't understand what this means or how to interpret this or how I might apply this in my life, don't worry, you're uh, not alone. I know many people that that's the case, and one of the things that I, I tell us is that sometimes we read into it too much, like sometimes we think too much about what it might mean. And so I want, just for a minute today, just to draw us into this story, and one of the things that you can find yourself doing anytime you open up the Scripture, especially anything around Jesus or the New Testament, is you can open it up, and you can say to yourself, what might this mean within the context of a people occupied by Rome? (laughs) What might this mean within the context of a people occupied by Rome? And for us, this is super pertinent, right? Because it's really easy for us to be thinking about this because it's, we're hearing about it in the news. What might this mean for a people occupied or being onslaughted by Ukraine, uh, the Russian forces, right? You know, we've been put ourselves in the Ukrainian shoes and the news and media all over the place. So, a similar kind of way of reading any of the New Testament ought to be with that lens because we can't overstate the reality that the people hearing the Scripture and living the Scripture were a people under the oppression of a regime known as the Roman government. And so you might hear the devil talking to Jesus and think to yourself, ah, the devil doesn't talk to me, or I don't know what to do about demons or these temptations in the desert. But if you put yourself in the shoes of those occupied by Rome and ask yourself, what is Jesus being asked here by this figure? The, the diabolical one in the translation, you start to see the true temptation that Jesus is called into, right? What's the, what's the first thing that Jesus is asked to do? The first thing that Jesus is asked to do is take this stone. You're super hungry. You're in need of food. You have to pay all your taxes, all your, most of your income goes to Rome. Take this food, the stone, and turn it into food, right? Take this and turn it into food, If only we could control our lives in such a way, right? That if what we wanted in that moment, if our desires could just be snapped into reality. What an amazing gift was the diabolical one offering Jesus in that moment. Because not only could he save himself from the hunger that he was experiencing, he could solve the hunger of all of his people, right? In a moment, he could fix the problems of the people that they had been living under, going to bed hungry and waking up wondering what food they would eat. The diabolical one tested Jesus to control the plight of the people. And then he goes one step further than that and takes them to the highest mountain and it goes, look over all of the kingdoms of the world, which another translation might have been, look over all the kingdoms of the Roman Empire and I will give it over to you. So not only will you fix the plight of your people and the hunger and the needs that they have day in and day out, but you then will be their king. You'll be the Messiah, the one that everyone has been waiting for, right? The one that would take over the throne that the Caesar sits upon. You'll have the control and the authority to do whatever you want. You will bring the kingdom of God to earth, Jesus, the diabolical one asks. And then the third one, I feel like a little bit more personal, the third one says, if you are the son of God, you're the one, you can jump off this building and the angels will catch you because you are the son of God. And I'll I'll pause for a moment, and you might think that that, well, Pastor Ryan, I don't know what that one means, but if you go just before this, and then you go just after this text, just before this text, you have Jesus baptized in the water. Jesus is baptized in the water and proclaimed by, you know, John the Baptist, baptizes him, and then all of a sudden, you know, the skies open up, and it's proclaimed to him before he's done anything in ministry, that you are my son, and what's, what's the angelic voice say? In whom I am well pleased, that you are my son who in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus, go up onto the top of this temple and throw yourself off and nothing will befall you. Because remind you, remember just before when he said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Jesus was not the only one at the time claiming to be son of God. This, this was a common claim of the emperors of the time. In fact, it was printed on every single coin in which they were told to do their taxes. A picture of Caesar the divine. Caesar is God. Caesar is son of God. They claimed that authority and that autonomy. And so if Jesus, you were truly the one, sure you don't want the kingdom, jump off the tower And prove to all the people who you really are. Control the future. Control the world. Have the power to bring God's kingdom on earth. And prove to everyone who has been named to you already that you are the Son of God. And and now think about those claims for just a minute. And then think about all the marketing. And the problems of the world, the things that we wish we could do that with, right? Just if only we could solve the problems of the humanitarian crisis throughout the world and feed everyone, let alone solve the problems that are going on within the devastation of Ukraine. If only we could bring peace on Earth, the, the, U, the dream of the U.N. Would, would make its way into reality, and, and countries would be able to abide together, and God's kingdom would be here on Earth with diversity and living in peace and justice. And if only that could be there. Who could be that sort of a leader? And then the last is: do you believe yourself to be who God has already claimed? Because Jesus was not the only one that was claimed to be God's beloved before they did anything. Especially here in the Methodist church, many of us that were born and raised were baptized as infants. Having done nothing, you're baptized and proclaimed that God's love is over you. And don't worry if you haven't been baptized or you're baptized older in life, we believe in this thing called provenient grace. Jesus was 2,000 years ago, and the story of God was well before that. The love of God and the forgiveness of God and the grace of God has gone before we were ever being knit together in our mother's wombs. But do you believe it? Do you own it? See, one of the pieces that when we move into Lent is we have these desires in life to grow and and to flourish and, and, you know, but at the same time, we have to let go of ourselves, of our need to control, our need for, for, for perfection. We have to let go I'll give you a funny analogy and a little bit emotional analogy. I'm sorry. But the funny analogy is I was coaching my son's uh, soccer team this this season. It's my first time coaching and and one of the realities that I had is that as much as I tell them to do what they need to do to win the game, you know what they did? <laughs> Not that. Hey, Sammy, go to the net. He runs to like the opposite net that you know he's going to. I didn't clarify. Apparently, hey, go to the ball, and then they go away from the ball. Or hey, come near me, and they stand on the other direction. And all of a sudden, they're like losing, right? And I know that it's about having fun, but I also know that they really want to score goals, right? And so I really want them to score the goals. So it's all just like trying not to get frustrated and trying to you know get like this desire that they have. I know is good to go and to experience, right? Just listen to the words it doesn't happen. And I experienced in that moment the frustration of a coach that I had never had before. Um, and the emotional one for me, I know some of you might laugh, is that uh, I'm a Duke basketball fanatic, right? I mean, I went to Duke Divinity School and yesterday, some of you might know that it was Coach Krzyzewski. He had 42 a 42-year 42 long coach, the winniest coach of all times, and it was his last game in Cameron Indoor Stadium, and, and the stadium was just erupted. There were celebrities, like $5,000 a ticket, right? They're ready to celebrate the night. They'd already stomped on the University of North Carolina earlier in the season, and this game was against their rival at home last game ever, and they lost the game. They lost the game. They're ranked number four. UNC wasn't even ranked, and you could just see like face. like He was just cringing, and he was just so angry. He wanted to control that game. Everyone, the players wanted to win that game, but no matter how hard they tried to control that, the more they tried to control, the more mistakes they made. And you could tell that they had a bunch of college kids trying to live into the shoes of this you know, Goliath of basketball. And they were jittery and making mistakes, and making foolish and silly ones, simple stuff. And as much as he wanted to, and you could see his frustration, he wanted to control that. But one of the things I know from Coach K is he's learned to let go of that need to control. I mean, he was very clear after the game. It was unacceptable behavior that they had, right? But you can only go so far as a coach. You can only take things to this level, and then you have to release the players to play. Our past two years have been a series of us experiencing that in our every single day life, I mean, How many of you have canceled a plan to go somewhere, do something because of COVID, right? How many of you said to yourself, I, we will absolutely be able to go on this trip, right? <laughs> it will happen. There's no way, no way that it will stop us because COVID's going down, all those things. And then all of a sudden the Delta variant comes up and like all your conferences are canceled or whatever. We will absolutely have Christmas in person, is what I said. We will absolutely have Christmas in person. We were de- the cases were rising on the island. All these things were happening. And then my house got hit. The pastor's house got COVID the week before Christmas. And then we started to realize that, baby, it wasn't the best idea. We have been in a series of learning that growth during this time cannot be controlled. Right? Our growth cannot be controlled, and we ought to have known this by now in our life, that we cannot control our life. We've learned from the coaches that the one consistent factor in life is it changes, and that life throws us curveballs. And you would think that, you know, we would want Jesus to show us another way, right? That if only we prayed the prayers, if only we did the devotions, if only we checked the boxes life would turn out the way it ought. Because remember, Jesus, after this, we just talked about it last week, we talked about the mission of God. The mission of God. Jesus discloses the mission of God just after denying the diabolical one, the temptation to have all the power and might to fulfill God's mission here on earth as it is in heaven. And he discloses that the mission of God It's about saving the people. But more importantly, it's about being with. That he'll go to the margin and be with the margin to see its liberation. And he doesn't do it with the sword. He doesn't do it by snapping his fingers, although he does make some miracles happen in his time. He does it in solidarity with. He learns to let go over and over again to the temptation of the people to live into what they believed he ought to do. If you're with us on Ash Wednesday, one of the stories I shared was learning how to grow plants in North Carolina, which has not carried over to Hawaii. But one of the things I learned during that time as I was learning from a friend who became a farmer is that an essential component to growth is pruning that we cannot grow and bear fruit without also tending to the excess branches. And so at the same time we grow and learn to grow, we also have to be familiar with this practice of letting go. And I think for us, many of us, one of the steps, I know, I know many of us have driven career goals, driven ambitions for our kids, driven all those things. One of our steps, I think, is a need to let go of that control that we have, the desire that we have to make things better, to change the world, it might seem like an oxymoron because we believe that God's love can come and, and change the world. And that's what we hope God will do, and that's what we're gonna, we've been praying for. And, you know, we pray for things like, you know, the people of Ukraine and, you know, for the war to stop and oppression to stop. We pray for that. So why wouldn't we make it happen? But the first step to the growth to realize growth in our lives and to realize the kingdom is, in fact, to learn to let go the expectations that we have That's why confession throughout Lent is invaluable. Because if we are a people that forgets to confess, we will be a people that worships ourselves every single time. Every single time. If we are a people that forgets to recognize our need for God, we will live without the need for God. And we will start turning to whatever is the shiniest, the most effective. the best. So we're in a journey throughout Lent of learning to let go so that God might cultivate in us growth. And many of us have started a Lenten discipline, and I hope that you can, if you haven't chosen one, that you can think about that. Like, what is something you can do that will allow you to let go? What's something that you can say, I don't need that right now? Maybe it's your to-do list that you keep meticulously at home. Say, for Lent, I'm not going to have a to-do list. Oh, my, Ashley, my wife, I hopefully she hears this because she would freak out because she loves her to-do list. Every day, she's got it. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know that all of us kind of share that desire, these desires that Jesus was tempted with. And we see it globally, that desire, and we see it individually in our own lives. So, what practice might you have that might help you also cultivate? So, if you've let something go, you know, even if it's as simple as chocolate, what's the practice that you're going to take on? Because it's just as important learning to let go and learning to cultivate and foster the growth. So, perhaps it's letting go of the to-do list and taking on just meditation. Meditation, going nowhere, you're not praying for anyone, you're not asking God for anything, you're just like sitting in silence. (laughs) The worst thing that you can do if you're an effective individual that like loves to get things done is learn just to do nothing other than listen to your breath. I don't know what that discipline ought to be for you, but that's what we're invited to this journey. Learning to let God cultivate that growth in us while we also let go of our desires, our need to control. And lastly, let go of something that challenges that core identity of yours, that you are beloved now, period. So, maybe you have to let go of dieting because you are beloved now. Maybe you have to let go of, I don't, I don't know what it is, but those are our tasks Reread this scripture, think about it more, and, and challenge yourself to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, tempted in the wilderness. Because the thing that Jesus points to Jesus wasn't this like you know, just making this all up on the spot, either, right? He, all he did, in all of his you know, defense to the diabolical one, is went back to the people of Israel, just quoted Deuteronomy, over and over and over again, four times chapter 6, chapter 8, chapter 10, chapter 6 again. It's nothing new. God's people have learned to do this. Jesus learned to do it. We can learn to do it. Let's let go so that God can cultivate in us something new this season.